Welcome to the Sports Marketing Machine Podcast, the podcast to help those working in sports level up their marketing skill set so that they can sell more tickets and grow their fan base. I'm your host, Jeremy Neiser. Today, I'm going to share a story with you about how the Golden State Warriors of the NBA used data to make decisions, specifically one decision many years ago. For those who don't know, I am a data junkie. I love to hear stories from sports executives on how decisions are made using data. So that Moneyball movie, that's one of my favorites. I especially love the stories about marketing-related decisions using data. These are the ones that are all about selling tickets or growing your fan base and learning more information about your fans. But this story today is specifically will focus on signing players. This one's a little fascinating. This is the story of Troy Murphy. This story was shared to me by a former Warriors executive. So all the information I'm providing to you was something that this person shared to us in a presentation a couple years ago. But before we jump in, would you do me a favor? Leave a positive rating and review on your favorite listening platform for this podcast. It will help me and would mean the world to me. It would help me because this podcast would then be exposed to more people who are just like you trying to grow their fan base and sell more tickets. All right, let's dive in. Troy Murphy was six foot eleven power forward out of Notre Dame that the Golden State Warriors drafted with their second pick in the first round, 14th overall in the 2001 draft. So six foot eleven power forward Troy Murphy was a first round draft pick by the Warriors back in 2001. In his first three years, he was a solid player as his points per games and rebounds continued to climb. The 2004-2005 season was the last year of his rookie contract, and that year he averaged a double-double every game. So 15.4 points per game, or about 15.5 points per game, and 10.8 rebounds per game, so almost 11 rebounds per game. So 15 points per game, almost 11 rebounds per game. By the stats at that time, he ranked 5th in the NBA in rebounds behind Kevin Garnett, Ben Wallace, Sean Marion, and Emeka Okafor. So if you don't follow basketball closely, all four of those guys are known for being big-time rebounders during their time. Kevin Garnett a little bit more on the offensive side, but all four were really big-name rebounders. And Troy Murphy was ranked fifth in that league in the NBA during that time behind these four guys. So, his agent at the time did a really great job of positioning him for a lucrative contract. Obviously, Troy did a great job on the court to average a double-double per game, but his agent positioned him for a lucrative contract. The market for someone who ranks in the top five in rebounds was between $6 million and $16 million per year. So a pretty wide gap, and it was only because of a couple nuances. So Kevin Garnett was getting paid $16 million 
per year. He was a huge star, scoring 20-some-odd points per game. Ben Wallace, who was 30 at the time, was getting about 7. Sean Marion was about 12. So in all reality, 6-16 to 16 was the range, but in all reality, it should be like uh, between 8 and 12 for someone of that caliber. You rank 5th in the league in the NBA. That's about where you should be per year, millions of dollars that you would make in the NBA. So Troy ended up signing a six-year, $58 million deal that was a contract that was about eight to nine and a half million per year based on some incentives. But this is where it gets interesting. So remember, he ranked fifth in the league in rebounds behind big guys like Kevin Garnett, Ben Wallace, Sean Marion, and even Emeka Okafor. And he signed a deal worth six years, $58 million, between eight and nine and a half million per year. So... He really wasn't worth that much, and here's why. The market dictated how much he was going to get paid. Eight to nine million per year for someone who ranks fifth in the league in rebounds was correct. However, the Warriors didn't dig as deep as they could have on the data. Several NBA teams at the time, we're talking 2005 here, were using software that tracked players during the game for how many miles they ran or walked. Think about it. In 2005, we didn't have nowhere near the technology that we have today. So this software that they used was similar to like missile software that they would planes would use to track enemy fighters before they launch an attack. It was before AI, before Jet, GPT, all of these different softwares that we see today. That's the software that teams were using to track the effectiveness of the players. This software was very expensive, and it was significantly more advanced right now than it was back then. So right now, teams can use it, which a lot of them are, and it's relatively inexpensive. So teams use it all over the country for heart rate tracking and performance-related tracking. In fact, when I worked in college athletics, college basketball teams would film the game, and immediately after the game, they would send to that player's iPad all of their clips from the game with some stats related to their performance, heart rate, all of these different things, so that the player could sit down with the coach and go through their plays on the iPad and it was isolated to that player. That's what's happening right now. But back in 2005, technology was nowhere near as advanced as it is right now and the Warriors didn't use that data as well as they could to actually see Troy's performance was dictated by two things. And this is where it's a little bit more interesting. The Golden State Warriors at that time shot the fourth most three-pointers in the entire league during the 0405 season, which was the year, the last year of his rookie deal, and that's when he signed the contract was after 0405. So the Warriors shot the fourth most three-pointers. Looking at the data, the majority of his rebounds were seven feet or further from the basket. In comparison to Kevin Garnett, Ben Wallace, and Sean Marion, most of their rebounds were the ones in the paint within a few feet of the basket. This means that the Warriors paid him this 
uh, contract extension based on rebounds from three-pointers, not those inside-the-paint rebounds. So a lot of the rebounds that he was getting were three-pointers, which means they would ricochet seven feet or further from the basket. He was getting those. So those are the long rebounds rather than the close ones. The second most interesting piece of this is that the Warriors attempted the most field goals of all the teams in the NBA during the 04-05 season, which means they took the most shots. He averaged 3.6 offensive rebounds a game, which isn't bad and ranked him fifth overall in the league, but the majority of those came from three-point attempts, which means that he could have got more field goal, more rebounds from those field goals because they were taking more shots than anyone else. He should have higher offensive rebounds if he's in the paint getting those rebounds, but most of those came from three-pointers. The Warriors finished in the middle of the pack in scoring that year, which means that there were plenty of opportunities for Troy Murphy to get more rebounds inside versus rebounds that are seven foot away. So he wasn't really truly earning the rebounds like Kevin Garnett and Charmarian and Ben Wallace and Emeka Okafor. So to recap all of this, Murphy signed a long lucrative extension based on his ranking as a top rebounder in the league. The market was this, he got paid that. However, the stats tell a different story. The Warriors were fifth in the league in three-pointers attempted during the 0405 season, and the majority of his offensive rebounds were long rebounds off of three-pence shots rather than the close ones. In addition, the Warriors led the league in field goals attempted during the season, so they attempted the most shots. So there were plenty of opportunities for Murphy to get more rebounders. He just wasn't as good of a rebounder as the stats said. So what happened to Murphy? After the 0405 season when he signed the contract, he played one year with the Warriors. And during the next year, so he did a year and a half into his deal, he was traded to the Indiana Pacers. So this story about Troy Murphy and the Golden State Warriors, what are some takeaways for sports teams, for marketing departments of those folks who are selling tickets and trying to get fans to their games? The first takeaway is that you need to understand the cause and effect of your marketing strategy using data. Just like Troy Murphy, the reason why he had so many rebounds is because the team shot a lot more shots than all of the other teams in the league and a lot more three-pointers than a lot of the teams in the league, which is why he had so many rebounds. So the cause and effect. For you as a marketing director, you need to understand the cause and effect. So when you do X, Y happens. This includes tracking as much as you can, specifically to ticket sales. This gives you so much information to know what channels work better than others for your marketing, especially when you're spending advertising dollars. The second one is get a holistic view of your data. Don't just rely on surface level data like the Warriors did. Data like per cap and online ticket sales numbers are good, just like the total numbers of rebounds and points per game were good for Troy Murphy, but you have to dig digger deeper to get 
more information out of it. So you shouldn't just be making decisions based solely on these. Just like Moneyball, when you watch that, they were making decisions based on scoring runs rather than guys who had batting average and home runs and RBIs and so forth. So dig deeper into your data. So let me give you an example. You're probably going to take a look and say, hey, this is our ticket sales or online ticket sales. One way to dig deep is, hey, let me take a look at all of the zip codes and which zip codes sold the most tickets, which ones sold the least. That gives you some insight. However, let's dig even deeper. Let's take a look at revenue per ticket order by zip code. So you can say, hey, for each order in this specific zip code, they were worth this. For each order in this zip code, they were worth Y. That tells you that some zip codes are more apt to buy premium tickets, which is how you would market to them, versus the cheap seats in these specific zip codes. But having that data will give you so much insight of how to do your marketing. Most sports teams, marketing directors, and those working in sports have never really undergone formal data training to learn how to read, interpret, or even use their data. But interpreting the data is essential to know to how to manage the budget, where to market to, who to market to, and what working and what is not working. Just like the Troy Murphy deal. Had they dug a little bit deeper, they would understand he was actually worth Y instead of the X dollars that they paid him on that surface level data. So if your data game is weak, your ticket sales will be too. So if you're looking for some help to really understand and interpret and use your data to sell more tickets or sell more merchandise, don't hesitate to reach out. Sportsmarketingmachine.com and feel free to schedule a call. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Until next time.